0: Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Today we will continue in our series on how to survive through adversity. Dr. Bernstein, Peter, as he likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with 49 years of experience helping people survive and grow (laughs) through trauma, struggles... (laughs) And Hard Times, the stuff of real life. That part's serious. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive.
1: What a great introduction, and it made me feel a little younger. She, said, she looked at me with the 49 years, and I was actually made to maybe feel older for that or younger.
0: No, I just want to make sure I get that right.
1: Oh, right. No, it's 49.
0: It's 49. Yeah. I want to give you all your due, but I don't want to over... over No, I don't want you to over either. The right due, not the overdue.
1: Well, we're glad to be back. It's been... We took a few weeks off. Um, We had other things we had to take care of, and frankly... I think we all miss doing this. To be honest with you, I sure did. I did too. Really loved this, and Steve, oh, our, our, Steve, producer, our lo- producer, he missed it too. He missed it too. But we did, and although we...
0: he was doing hard duty in Santa Barbara one of those days,
1: that was hard duty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. But anyway, I'm glad to be back, and uh, I realize how much these podcasts and, and radio shows mean to me, and I know the same for you for and me Steve. Too. Really, a lot. So not only are we doing this for you, we obviously are doing it for ourselves too. and that that's what makes us feel a deeper connection with all of you, and it uh, gives us a deeper sense of empathy. Um, and I like I like it that way. Human to human, to me, has become a core of everything I do. And the clinical may be part of me, but I'll be honest with you, I don't look at life and the world clinically anymore. And I'm grateful. I will say that's been part of the challenge in my life. Uh, it's through adversity and difficulty that that kind of humbling, in coming to a genuine humanity within myself, which continues, is a value, tremendous value. It didn't. It doesn't come easily.
0: Doesn't feel good.
1: No, no, it doesn't. But I'll tell you what. I wouldn't trade it for the world. And Mm -hmm. I feel 49 years, if it took me, I'm a slow learner, let me tell you. That's what my 93-year-old mother says, I'm slow. But she says, I'm really glad you're there now. And I am too. We are going to continue today. Uh, uh, Jenny lights up in the studio. Don't ask me why. She just does. (laughs) But anyway, we're, uh, as our... uh, Station manager says, well, you'll be so fresh now. Yes. And actually, I hope he's right, because I was thinking, man, maybe we got a little rusty or something, but I hope not. The subject matter isn't rusty. And one of the things that's very interesting for me, in the last three weeks, so much more has come through our lives uh, through just people that we run into in the community, different situations, wherever we go. Um, this subject matter is touching people's lives very personally, and they're sharing it with yes. us. Uh, I think the latest has been we went to a wedding on Saturday night, and we're sitting next to a lovely couple, and uh, they were very quiet. And we were talking about caregiving and our nonprofit, the nonprofit that we uh, represent.
0: And that sponsors our podcast, Sonoma right. Coast Trauma Treatment. That's
1: right. And I was talking about how we've opened it up to all <laughs> caregivers now, where before it was just veterans and their caregiving families. We're opening it up. And it, these, this particular couple was very quiet. Well, interesting, as they listened, they began to open up. And they were lovely people. And she was a caregiver for the last for her dad yes. for the last 16 years of his life it just so happened i knew her dad small world Mm -hmm. i used to ride horses in the hills with him. nice man and she says i'm really grieving um my father just died was about less than a month ago Mm -hmm. and she loved him he was a nice man he was a cowboy but he was a really nice guy yeah um but anyway he had alzheimer's early onset alzheimer's and they kept him at home till the last week of his life the whole family were caregivers and uh, very touching, because she began to talk to us about what they went through. And uh, I was watching how Jenny responded to her, and it was really something, because, you know, we don't always know, but we know a lot. But I don't mean that we, we pontificate, it's not that kind. But we've been through so much with so many people, including ourselves, that we were able to give her some framework for what she's been through that I realized she didn't have. This lady went through the raw emotional experience for all those years.
0: I had, I was able to talk with her because I have had personally experience of a, a caregiving situation that is just family. Mm-hmm. That's my brother-in-law. Yeah. And the caregiving situation that I'm in now with, with Lynn, yeah. your wife, mm. where it's outside family and is, there can be a very different feeling to it. And talking about when it's just family... Many times, people are afraid to say how hard this is for them, or to say anything that might sound like complaining Mm -hmm. or, or upset. They don't want to. They don't feel as free to share about the things they're struggling with. If it's a family unit versus a group that are coming together, with a little little less of that close.
1: Well, what Jenny's talking about and alluding to is that we work in teams and we form teams of caregivers it's the it, to me it's the best way to work because there's such a support within the staff um and it's lovely it really works nicely we're going to be talking about a subject that we see happens a lot to caregivers and we're going to bring that up today um our our model that we use uh, and my wife has been the core of it the so you know we're all working to help her but what we've, what we've learned from it has been how to work together and help. Um, what we've also seen in doing so, though, is we've all discovered our humanity through it. Yes. And that it's a very tough job being a caregiver. It really is. Uh, it just strips you down to your humanity. It's, it just takes you down eventually, just through emotional exhaustion, uh, through the distress of it. Where you go from normal stress to, we talked about the last episode, where you get where you get emotionally fatigued
0: you're experiencing grief yep. and loss
1: yep in different in different forms. it's not just the grief when the person's gone, it's the grieving that goes on while the person's still alive, which I go through, and it's very, very tough um it's called a knock
0: ambiguous uh, loss uh,
1: ambiguous loss or and anticipatory and grief. grief. And they're very, very intense. Um, and we've seen so many people go through it. We've watched our staff go through it. We've watched other caregivers that we support and help go through it. Um, so we know that it's a very difficult job. and any It's just a very heartfelt job. It's a very caring thing to do, very selfless. And it seems to be very tough on people, Mm -hmm. no matter how good your intentions are. After a while, it wears you down. We've found ways to counter a lot of it. When I say a lot of it, I can't say all of it, but a lot of it. What we do, we'll meet after a week, every Monday morning, and we'll take a look at everybody. (laughs) I know this sounds a little weird. And we'll find out who's been triggered. Um, In more generic terms, whose buttons have been pushed this week and who who's really more emotionally fatigued, Particu- uh, there may even be physical breakdowns, I mean physical injuries, Jenny's injured right now, it happens because the body becomes exhausted. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I, I just want to add that our topic today uh, is triggering, yeah. so if you're wondering what we're talking about, we'll give you more in a bit.
1: Yeah. What's the name of this topic? What are we going to call today, it today?
0: we are triggering as part of being human.
1: Absolutely. And I don't think everybody knows that. And I don't think people know what it is, but they sure do experience it. As a caregiver, you can count on experiencing it because it strips us to the core of who we are. I think one of the most important things of being a caregiver is coming to your own humanity and admitting it. It's a very painful thing to get to, though, um, because you reach a certain point of feeling so powerless, and ineffective.
0: And no control. Um,
1: that's right. And it's hard. And you kind of come to the end of everything that you can possibly do under your own juice, under your own steam. And you realize you're doing everything you can and it's still not enough. Uh, it's a rough one to realize because after that, you got to wonder where your strength's going to come from, where your resilience is going to come from. Uh, what are you going to do? Because you know you for those that are aware, you know your limits and you know you're at them or beyond them and I see lots of people that reach that point. Well, I know that there is much beyond it um that's when the real changes begin to happen for people um when they begin to face change, they begin to face understanding life in a different way, that they're going to have to change. They're going to have to become, find the resilience to keep going, um, but not the kind of resilience where they can fall back in any of their old behaviors and their old attitudes And because it may not hold up anymore. They've got to develop some new ways, to new strategies to navigate the difficulties that they're facing that are ongoing. Uh, they need to find a way to have some hope. Uh, they need to find a way to tr- to rise above the emotional load that they're carrying, the emotional pain. Um, if they're, and I hope they are, very empathetic caregivers, they're going to have that uh, that relationship with their loved one or their their person that they're helping, if you're not a family member. And that in itself is a very deep relationship and a very moving relationship and a very reciprocal relationship. The caregiver is the person who is going to wind up absorbing a lot of that energy from the person to take care of, though. And it's not like you receive a lot back and it's an equal exchange. You're there to give because people don't have the ability to give any more themselves. What's really tough about it uh, is that there's an emotional drain that goes on and we begin to absorb it because we're empathetic, caring people. We begin to absorb some of that emotional load inside, within, within ourselves, and it begins to drain us. Um, in the draining of, when we're drained and we're to get, and, and taking on the other person's pain and difficulty and, and dilemmas that they're facing, there's a thing that happens within all of us called triggering. It's getting our, very right down the earth, getting our buttons pushed. What does that mean? It means that after a while, we're faced with our own uh, histories, our own backload of pain and trauma and stress that's never truly gone away. Now, we can bury it in our unconscious. We can do, and I don't mean to be too un- psychological here, but truthfully, you just bury it within yourself, and you don't even know that you have it anymore, but it's still there. There's many reasons that that, that 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 does happen. One of the things that happens, too, is that your body arms itself, creates an armoring that protects it uh, from even remembering. Uh, there's reasons for it. And at the same time, that's the stuff that will start getting, be accessed. I think Steve's looking at you. Is it time to take a break? Already?
0: I'm finding my paper. Uh-oh. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. In our first uh, segment today, and our title today is Triggering as Part of Being Human, we uh, return to caregivers again. And the uh, the emotional, uh, not only just physical, but emotional burden of caring with compassion and empathy, uh, taking on some of the... Um, negative energy, pain, um, distress of the person we care for Mm -hmm. and how it really forces us, but on the other hand is an opportunity for us to face our own humanity, Mm -hmm. that we uh, don't always have control, we can't always make things happen, we're going to uh, become depleted. And when we are tired and depleted, it's very uh, common to get what we call triggered. You, you said it was also like pushing your
1: buttons. Mm-hmm. We were
0: starting to talk about what that means and uh, what what happens as a result.
1: Well, you know, I want to take a step back to our last episode for a reason. Um, but what we're talking about today happens to everyone. But I want to talk about the kind of people that are caregivers. Um, they're usually very compassionate and very empathetic people. Um, and they are very motivated to help others. So you're talking about a different, the kind of people that really are more open. They're more vulnerable. They care more. They care more, absolutely. Uh, in some cultures, they're raised that way. In Fiji, Haiti, America isn't quite like that. Uh, but they'll get there because they're going to have enough challenges in this area. But they're a different type of folk in some ways. Uh, they are more human. They are, mm-hmm. uh, but there's things that happen when you're this type of person that uh, you got to pay attention to and be aware of. We're talking about triggerings happen happens to everybody. When you're a caregiver, count on it. But there's things that we can do too to protect ourselves from these triggerings taking us over and i'll tell you why that's important in, yeah, in a minute may
0: i just separate that everyone gets triggered absolutely what you're saying is there's ways not to let it take over and make us react in negative ways it's
1: really important let's, not to separa- let it take, let's yeah. separate
0: those two things
1: it's very important not to let that take over because if it does and we'll talk about what it is in a minute, uh, you're not gonna be effective anymore in the present because you have one you're partly in the past, partly in the present going on at the same time. Yes. One of the things that we talked about I think we wrote about in, in our book on trauma was that the uh the one of the very classic symptoms of post traumatic stress, which is also being seriously triggered. Um we used to relate that in the book a lot more to soldiers, veterans, uh, we were Navy SEALs. We were dealing with Marines. But one of the things that we realized uh, about that was a thing that goes on that begins to happen called reenactment. And the reason that's so important is because once reenactment happens, which means a person's been triggered, their old um, emotional, material, trauma, pain... If it's if it's battlefield trauma, uh, if it's the stuff that even earlier in their lives, if that is put, their buttons are pushed in that area. What begins to happen is they actually begin to, without many times being aware of it, begin to reenact that old the behaviors, the emotions, uh, the attitudes of that earlier that past memory and experience. Absolutely, and a person similar. That's similar. Not the same, but that's all it has to be is similar. For a veteran, a soldier, uh, I mean, we've seen it in in movies and TV shows, and if you've gone through it, Mm -hmm. you know what it is. It's like the
0: guys when they hear a helicopter go over and they've been in Vietnam and all of a sudden they're not there anymore.
1: No and if it's really serious and it's more uh, uh, the the later type of ptsd for uh the kids coming back from afghanistan and iraq they could be just walking down the street and they are so careful and they're expecting at any time an ambush from a sniper um what's what's bringing that up they're they're still back in iraq or afghanistan part of them and they're walking in areas that they don't feel safe they never feel safe, mm-hmm. so they're always on guard, expecting an ambush. Now, does that fit in the present? Of course not. If you, if they're looking at the uh, a, a window, a window in a corner of a building, is that similar? Well, it may have been a similar experience to where a sniper was, uh, uh taking take doing ambush, do, doing an ambush, back in Iraq and Afghanistan. But here, there's nobody in the you know a corner office. Standing there with a the sniper's rifle, ambushing. So what happens is the terror of the fear and the caution that they experienced, and was legitimately so in our Af- Af- Afghanistan or Iraq, they feel that same thing in the present. And they'll begin to act like it's happening in the present.
0: Yeah, so again I just to make sure everybody understands that they have this connection, this similar connection takes place inside them. There's nothing they can do about that. That I mean that is, is just who they are and the consequence of their experiences. It's when they go ahead and act on it. They're not aware, they're not in, they're not able to separate it. That's the problem.
1: That's when they call, that's right. That's a real problem. But it, I want to just make a little bit of a Add something to what Jenny just said. There are things that can be done because we do it all the time to help folks get through it Um, and to begin to get back to a more normal way of life uh, where their nervous system, where they hold the memories in their body begins to decompress and the intensity of the experience begins to settle down. It doesn't have to stay so intense. No, it takes work. We do it around the clock uh, at our work. That's for sure. But what we are saying is there are many people that don't get the help and what they do is they'll push it way back into their out of their mind because at the time it was too dangerous, it's too overwhelming to think about. and yet all the impact of it, all the emotional content of it and physical content of it is still there. And they may not realize it. What happens is, though, um, because they don't realize it and they're not aware of it, when it does when they are get when those triggers get pushed, that's when there's trouble, because it taps right into those old experiences, and here comes the old intensity that doesn't fit the old precautions that don't fit um, the the actions that don't fit, and all of a sudden we're in trouble so this is something that we've everybody has seen that on t v everybody's seen it in the movies, and those of us that have experienced it uh, firsthand um, I wasn't overseas, but I experienced it in other parts of my life. We know what that feels like. And your bodies get tense. Your heart's racing. Uh, If you're an aggressive soldier, you get very aggressive. If you're uh, a person who's not aggressive, you get very frightened. may freeze. freeze. um, And terror because your your nervous system's been affected. Well, when that takes over, um, your body's out of control. You're probably wondering then, well, what do you do? I mean, can you do anything about it? The answer is, you can do a lot about it. Um, As Jenny said, it's going to be one of your scars in life, but that doesn't mean it has to be an active wound anymore. When you can get some help for it, here's what happens: there are many people that don't even know it's buried so deeply within them that they don't even know that that trauma, that stress, that pain is still buried so deeply in their bodies. And in their mind.
0: There are a lot of reasons for that. There's a lot of reasons We're going to go over some of those. Yeah, there's yes. a lot of reasons
1: for it. And In the original context, it, it makes complete sense. In the present, it doesn't. But in the past, it would have made sense. And we'll talk about that, why that's so important in a minute. But what happens is that gets tapped into. And all of a sudden, the intensity of that past experience begins to creep in or flood the present when a person and i want to get back to caregivers for a reason yeah. when a person's emotionally fatigued and burdened the chances of that happening are much higher when you're a caregiver you become emotionally fatigued and burdened it's impossible not to after a while so the chances of you being triggered and your old pain or trauma's coming up is much higher you're living in that part of life that condition in life that we're all going to go through at some point, but a caregiver lives in that place. They work in that place. Uh, if they're a professional, it's by choice. If it's a family loved one, it's not by choice. But you're living in, it and it's tough. Mm-hmm. It's the toughest. It's one of the. It's a condition of life, but I have to say, it's not my favorite. It's one of the most difficult times, and places in our lifetime. We're all going to go through it, um, but there is. I want to. I don't want to be just on a bum trip here. Bummer. Of course, you come through that, and of course, there's going to be better times. But when you're in the midst of it, it's hard to know when that's going to be, if it's ever going to happen again, because you're you're surviving every day. You're helping somebody else survive every day. Um, it's a very tough condition of life. So the chances of these old things get, uh, getting uh, pushed out or triggered is very high, and. Um, it's important to know about it and to realize that it's what what happens because you at the time do have choices. Jenny had mentioned it a little earlier, and I want to refer back to it there are reasons that people push this stuff aside and push it down very very good reasons originally it may not have been appropriate uh for it to- if it came out when they are a parent and they are taking care of a kid they they'll take the kid down they can't do that if they're it worked. They can't all of a sudden go into a out and out triggering, um, and all the emotional content of it. Uh, if you're there's so many different situations that it wouldn't be okay to have it come out. People know that. Yeah. Um, there's also other times though, that there is a stigma, a shame, an embarrassment, a fear of being criticized or judged, and condemned. That's not in the present. That was part of the past, and that's why that stuff is so buried. In other words, it may have been provoked as a kid. Um, Certain emotional states, uh, when you're being neglected or uh, abandoned or uh, abused. And uh, at the time, there's no way you can express it because it could have led to worse beatings. It could have led to a lot of things. It could have been a complete taboo in your family where no one deals with these things. So you don't even have the skills of processing it, getting through it anyway, nor does anybody around you. So this stuff gets buried. Um, If it's the kind of thing that you express and um, it it comes out and you get punished for it condemned or beautifully criticized or put down, you're not going to express that too freely anymore. Where is it going to go? It's going to get buried in your body, the biology of the emotion, and in your unconscious. So it happens. It's a human condition. Um, You know why I say that? Because, well, here we go. We're going to talk about psychology again. Clinical psychology, no. We're going to talk about being a human being. That's what we're talking about. And these things happen all the time. They happen to everyone. That's right. But when when a person's triggered, though, it's very interesting. The old fears that you're going to be condemned or judged or put down or... uh, criticize harshly or whatever, come right back up with it, and you expect other people in the present to do the same thing, yeah. and they're not at all. But it's very hard to see that at the time when you're going through one of these. That's,
0: and one of the things about triggering is that you lose your perspective.
1: Completely. Yeah,
0: you, you are, are no longer me. only in the present, and you may not be in the present hardly at all. You're you're trapped or stuck somewhere in the past and the present at the same time, maybe almost all in the past, no. and you don't have the perspective of your lo- current life, you may not have any of that anymore. You don't
1: feel in control of it at all.
0: No, you don't know what's <laughs> happening. You don't don't know how to find your way out of it. And
1: that's one of the beauties of this radio show and, and podcast. We do have solutions for it. And we, we feel that one of the most important things about this is for people to become aware of, of how this happens within them. They have to number one, be aware and be committed to their own healing and their own growth. And if you're a caregiver, you better be because you've got to take care of yourself in order to take care of others. But one of the things that, that's very important about this, I'm uh, uh, just thinking about this for a minute, you have to begin to feel what's going on. And one of the things that people do to cope with some of the things we just talked about, they stop feeling, they disconnect. They disassociate, so they don't even have a feeling anymore about it. Mm-hmm. You have to get back to a feeling state. Uh, there's a, a book out by, uh, what's his name, Gil, Gilhorn.
0: Ernest Gilhorn? Not,
1: not Ernest Gilhorn, I can't remember. It'll come to me in a minute. Yeah. But it's called The Felt State, and he talks about it's a connection with your own feeling mm-hmm. <clears throat> state. Um
0: how about if we think about that for a moment while we take a break? Good, because
1: I'm just losing my voice. All right. Yeah. So we
0: we'll, we got lots of stuff to do yeah, during the right. break. You've been listening to The Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We will be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. We covered a lot in our last section of the podcast. We talked about triggering. We talked about um, what happens, what is triggering like. It is a a reaction when something in the present reminds us of something in the past. Mm -hmm. It prevents us from keeping our perspective. We can get... Um, confused and react negatively in the present in ways that don't fit. It might have fit in the past, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't fit now. Um, The kinds of things that trigger us are things that we may have buried and pushed down. uh, Because for many reasons, we talked a few of them. Maybe it wasn't appropriate to deal with them at the time. Maybe we weren't allowed to. Maybe there was stigma. Maybe we were too young to be able to do anything about it. And so now when we are triggered, uh, there's this charge, this intensity uh, that can be uh, frightening or confusing uh, because we may not have awareness of what this is all about. And we talked about the importance that there are things that can be done. We can work through this. It doesn't have to stay
1: intense. But don't go there yet. Go by what you're talking about, and we'll get to that in a minute, about why it's when people aren't aware of it, what does happen. Yeah. When, they're, when their emotions are triggered and they don't know it, behaviors change. Yeah. And they begin to act destructively without possibly knowing it. Um, they can be out of control and not even know how out of control they're becoming. Their health can begin to deteriorate. They can get injured and think, well, it just was an accident. But it's not. And particularly if you're a caregiver, every caregiver out there knows how hard the job is. It's physically taxing. It puts our bodies through a lot of changes. Well, let me tell you, when you're exhausted and you're depleted, the chances of you're getting hurt are much higher. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that feeds into that, of course, is that you've taken on a lot of your care, receivers, energy. Yes. And it becomes toxic in your body. The toxicity and the buildup is one of the things that will do the triggerings. And I'll tell you how sensitive it could be. It could be a smell, a touch that seems so similar to a time in your life that was so traumatic and so painful. And all of a sudden, the memory that's held in your nervous system comes to the surface. And it takes you over physically. A lot of people think, well, I'll just tough it out and be strong. And And I've heard more caregivers who mean well say that. And I think I'm definitely along those lines, one of those kind of people. I would have to cop to that, too. Oh, Jenny can really cop to it because she's been copying it for two weeks. Yeah. And she's getting confronted a lot on it.
0: And, and, and rightly so.
1: Yes, because we don't want her to get hurt anymore. But um, what happens is that if you have that attitude, um, that can cause problems because your behaviors begin to change and you think you can just tough it out. That doesn't work. The, more, the better way to go is to become committed to becoming more aware of what you're feeling. And when you do that, then you can begin to choose to do some things differently. Now, not all the time can you consciously make choices that will change your behaviors, but it certainly can modify it and give you a sense of control and keep you more in the present. We know the powerful triggerings aren't always that reasonable, and the intensity behind it can be so high intense, <laughs> intensity intense uh, That when I, it's very hard, really and that we have other ways of de- decompressing that we use our work that we've designed uh, to decompress and get the nervous system back to what we call a, uh, a self-normalizing uh, type of level again and we know how to do it, we've been developing it, we've written books about it and papers, we know how important this is But I can tell you, nonetheless, it's a very tough challenge and confrontation. We're talking to caregivers about this, I'll tell you why. Because they know, for some reason, they may have the best intentions in the world and be the deepest empathetic people. But boy, when it comes to self-care, they're not so good at it. And this is where trouble begins. Um, They really have to know how to take care of themselves. They have to be committed to growing To recognizing the changes in their body when they begin to accumulate too much built up emotion. They've got to know how it feels in their body uh, versus what their body normally feels like. There is a biology to emotion, and they've got to be tuned into that because then they're going to become aware of geez, I'm starting to get, my jaw's starting to get tight. I'm starting to get headaches. My neck hurts. My back hurts. And it's not from injury, it's from tension. That tension is telling you, well, are you like that always? And the answer is no. It's because you're beginning to build an emotional charge that's manifesting itself in your body. That's very important to be aware of because if you're not, the chances of you getting injured much higher.
0: And one thing to add to this is that so many caregivers, particularly, maybe particularly family caregivers, won't pay attention to themselves nah. because they think they're not supposed to nah, nah. they're only supposed to pay attention to the loved person that they're caring for
1: oh, it's it's such a tough one and I know I've suffered through it many many times now with my wife um, it's tough because you look at the person and you, it's very hard to put yourself before them they are, their needs are so great and their pain is so intense or the distress and the deterioration But the truth is you better have some boundaries because you've got to still be able to take care of yourself. If you don't, you lose a sense of your boundaries. You're going to put them before you take care of yourself, and eventually you're going to be so exhausted.
0: You can't take care of them or yourself. That's right. And And that's one of those classic indications of burnout.
1: And burnout is triggerings all over the place, Uh, physical deterioration, emotional deterioration, don't want to work anymore. Don't care about yourself. Don't care about anybody. Uh, Relationships, personal relationships deteriorate. That's the ultimate, you're shot. You're done at that point. There are things that happen, though, before that.
0: Warning signs.
1: Warning signs that you can begin to look at. um, And we all need to.
0: Mm-hmm. And one of, them, one of them is what we were just talking about, that you pay really good attention maybe to the needs of the person you're caring for, but you've stopped thinking about yourself.
1: That's emotional. That's one of the characteristics of emotional fatigue. Um, and, and when you're just stressed, not that, but when you're just a normal stress, you still, you're aware of the other person, but you're also very clear about where you are. And the boundaries are pretty clear. And you know that you've got to take care of you and them. But you know how important it is. And things are pretty clear. If you get a little tired, you know, weekend off, you're going to be all right. You're going to come back refreshed. You still love your work. You love the people you're working with. That's not emotional fatigue. That's just the stress of the job and the stress of life. Caregivers are under stress. But when they're exhausted and they reach the point of emotional fatigue, that's a different story they begin to forget about taking care of themselves. That's when they're more concerned about taking care of the other person. Mm -hmm. Boundaries are beginning to disappear. That's when the exhaustion depletion begins to accelerate. It's almost like opening a faucet for energy and there's no shutoff valve. Where the other one we described is, yeah, it takes energy, but you know how to control the temperature on the the, uh, faucet. And you can open it and turn it off and on. When you're, emotional fati- you're getting into emotional fatigue, it's a little harder to turn it off, so you're depleting all the time.
0: And, and our topic today, triggering, that's when it can really that's, start happening. That's
1: when it begins. The chances are very high. Yeah, You're human. The chances are very high when that, 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 that's going to happen, and it's painful and distressing to let that happen. Can it be countered? You're darn right it can. If you become aware of the changes that are beginning to happen to you. Um, we feel it's really important. We're not dismissive, though. I've had difficult this kind of situation relationally and every other way is. Uh, we're not dimi- being dismissive. Uh, there is a no time when the emotions are just, you're grieving, you're hurting, you love the person, you wish you could do more. No matter what you do, it's not a good enough anymore because they're deteriorating. Those are all very real human experiences, too. We're not dismissive of those. Mm-hmm. That's not a triggering. That's being in the present. And that's, re- that's a reality in the present. So when we talk about a triggering, it's not just that. It's releasing the intensity of past experiences, and they flood it to the present as well. That's different. If we're talking about s- forms of grief... Um, that's intense enough in the present, but when it triggers, and this is very common losses from the past that you've never gotten over, all of a sudden the present is contaminated with those past intense experiences. Well, very common.
0: Or, or times in your past when you felt out of control and couldn't do anything about what was happening. Yeah. Loss, loss of control, everything. Painful that you there's nothing you can do. That feeling of helplessness.
1: That feeling of helplessness, and seeing a person that you love die, seeing a person that you care about go away and never come back. Those are very real, and the chances of those getting triggered during intense grief in the present very high. Is that does that mean you're going to act it out in the present? Not necessarily. You do
0: have choices. You
1: have choices most of the time. Um, so we're not talking about. Uh, being uh, having, uh, just being so out of control and it just takes you over that's the most serious type of triggering mm-hmm. there's others where yeah you've been triggered and it's painful but you're aware of the changes and then you begin to take remedial action to get help to get support from others uh, that's why we work in teams to get the kind of help we do in decompressing the intensity of emotion and pain giving yourself a weekend off uh, working out, doing some physical things that you like, uh, getting good rest is very important. Uh, just knowing yourself, knowing where your traumas were, knowing the pain of your own past and what it looked like and how it manifests itself. That's really important to know. It doesn't mean you have to have a cure. It means you better know about it, though, because once the present situation comes at you and and dovetails onto that earlier experience, you'll know the difference because if you have a tight body, it'll be much tighter. Your jaw will be tighter. Your neck will hurt. Your head will be bursting. Uh, your gut will be wrenching with te- fear.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: there's all these things. And all of a sudden, you realize, well, that's not the normal feelings of trauma. That's you're, way beyond it.
0: You're bringing up something new now. Uh, you're talking about uh, physical sensations. hmm that can be, uh, if you're aware of yourself, that you can connect to triggerings or or old uh, memories being triggered and it's coming up. How about if we talk about that a little bit more sure. after our break? Yeah. Welcome, and uh, actually, you've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We will be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson, and we are returning to our discussion on uh, triggering and uh, caregivers and how uh, the stress and the emotional uh, fatigue that caregivers experience can just prime them for, uh, difficulty with triggering where things that are happening now that are similar to very painful things in their past can, can, can bring them to a place of, of intensity, of distress that they don't want to act out on, I mean, on the people that they're caring for, but can happen. Um, they can lose perspective. They can lose, uh, the, the, the priority of self-care.
1: Well it does or it can go on a uh, uh, the other part that we don't we haven't talked about is when people are out of control with this, what they begin to do and what it begins to look like. Um, many times when people are in this kind of pain, they start self-medicating. This is common with medications, with alcohol. Um, we've seen them want to run away, Re, uh, they become resentful of their client or their loved one. Um, I've heard more people, I hate to say this, but say it's just better off if they're dead, then I don't have to deal with it anymore. And I've heard a bitterness begin to develop. And yeah. Awful. Uh,
0: it's a reflection, like you said, of their pain,
1: of their pain. That's what you got to keep in mind compassionately, but still, it's not so good. It's not good. But a lot of times those self-medicate. will will begin to do destructive things. So they'll begin to neglect the needs of their care, uh, receiver, um, then we're moving into burnout, but there's lots of things when people aren't aware of this that they begin to do that are very destructive. It's to kill the pain. It's to push it down, not to deal with it. We're taking taking an intervention here and going, that's not what you do. There are ways to deal with this, to recognize it, to begin to take constructive action, to actually make you more resilient, stronger, more purposeful, even though you have to deal with these very painful, difficult situations. So it is a form of self-care, no question about it. Triggering is a, a, very, a very important mechanism to pay attention to. Uh, is it going to be? Can it be a very emotional experience? Oh yes. Um, I, they made a list of it. We had a list in one of our papers that we wrote earlier. But I was thinking of one that that gets me, and that is I had I went to this wedding on Saturday night. Jenny was there with her husband and whatever. It's a beautiful wedding. Mm-hmm. It was probably the best time I've had in four years since my wife's been sick. But I was by myself. And I haven't done that kind of thing. Anything I ever did was with my wife. We were very close. And, you know, one of the things I saw is I'll be okay being alone. I can do it. I had a great time. It was good to relate to people. Uh, I had no complaints about any of it. But when I saw couples that were together, I didn't kid myself that that was a triggering that it wasn't that I was completely overwhelmed, but of course I felt pain. Because I'm looking at them, and then my loss is beginning to come up about my wife. And it hurt plenty. It hurt. Did it take me over and interfere? No. I'm not burned out. Could it? If I were exhausted and burned out? Oh, I'm sure it would. But the triggering itself was just seeing couples that were together, loving each other, sharing a wonderful experience. This new couple, these newlyweds who we adore, seeing them, reminded me of my wife and I 46 years ago. It's nice. But... It's those memories that begin to flood. Yeah. Um, was I out of control? No. Did it do any? Did I do anything destructive? I don't think so. Um, I know I didn't. No. But no. Jenny was there. And her husband. I was there. I they can were, attest. They were watching me. No. Actually, it's the truth. I had a great time. No. But one of the things, truthfully, is, of course, that's a triggering, too. Yeah,
0: and so many of the people there, you knew at a time when Lynn was very active part of your life. That's right. She had been there right with you, with these other people. That's
1: right. That brought back those memories, too. Was I flooded to destructive behavior? No. Did I feel it physically and emotionally? Of course I did. Was it? interfering? And was it making me act out destructively in the present? Not at all. Did I know that my heart was aching about it? Of course. But I was able to go on and keep my mind clear. Uh, I I knew that st- my wife's still alive. I could go home and maybe share some if she remembered some. And I did the next day, actually, and she did have some good day, some mm-hmm. good hours. Mm-hmm. Um I'm very appreciative of that. So I still have my perspective. Um, I'm not fully overwhelmed with grief and loss. That night, we met people who were overwhelmed with grief and loss. They barely could talk.
0: Yeah.
1: And they were hurting so deeply. Wonderful, good people. So we're not talking about an experience that isn't human. We're just saying there's different, uh, not elements, but there's different degrees of it. And if you're aware of yourself, you can do some things to intervene and diffuse this before it gets to the place of where you're burned out, to a place of where you're really acting this out so destructively that you physically get hurt, you physically can become ill. Um, the scariest thing that keeps, I know a lot of people keep it the front of their minds, is that... The
0: statistics.
1: The statistic is about, I think it's 63 or 64 percent, of caregivers die before the people are taken care of. Yeah, That's a pretty high statistic. And yeah. Yeah, that's scary. Could Do I understand now how that could be when you're losing a loved one? Oh, yes. But does it have to happen? The answer is no. It doesn't have to happen. So uh, Steve just put a little sign up saying voice is getting too soft. That's because I'm talking about my wife, of course. The... The emotion, my my love for her is very strong, and I'm just grateful that she's still with us. Do I grieve? Do I hurt about her? Of course I do. Do I go through all the things that everybody else goes through? Of course I do. But am I able to start doing things more constructively, building teams, helping other families and other people? That's what we're doing. That's why we're doing this podcast. So out of these difficulties, there are so positive things that can come out of it being at this studio doing this podcast and radio show i find to be a highlight of my week um it gives me some perspective on what i'm going through it gives me some understanding of some of the things that have happened i'm able to get think it through and take a look at it also able to see where i am emotionally i know i'm a little tired today Uh, jenny's husband and i've been working on a A uh, what is it called?
0: I'm not sure, but it's kind of like a stair lift, a chair that goes up the stairway. My wife,
1: and uh, he's an engineer, thank god he is, because it is complicated, but we're almost done with it. But I gotta tell you, it took a lot of energy out of us. And I'm looking at this his love for me and for Lynn. and Jenny stayed with my wife all day into the evening while we're working. This is two weeks in a row, so we can get this thing done for her. That's loving and selfless. Do I feel tired and exhausted? Oh, yes. Um, And I'm sure he is today, too. And uh, Jenny seems to be better. I don't get it. But anyway, she seems to be better. But the truth of the matter is, all of these things happen and they're very human. So we're talking about the extreme of triggering. We're also talking about modified uh, descriptions of triggering. And we're saying, is it? Is it common to all people at some time? Absolutely. It's very human. Does it have to be destructive? Absolutely not. Not. And can you do something about it? The answer is yes. So uh, that's what we're bringing this up for today. I think it's so important, and it's very important to take it out of the clinical um, framework and put it into a human framework, to be honest with you. That's, I feel, belongs in the human framework because then people won't be so hard on themselves when it happens. It's very important not to be hard on yourself. Don't get critical. It happens to everybody. It's just how you're going to deal with it. And do you have to? And the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to make it the worst thing in the world. It can be something that's going to really help you. It's going to grow you. And you're going to come out of it much more resilient. So you can go on to meet the demands of your job and your responsibilities. So uh, we feel it's really important. Steve's throwing up a sign. Okay, one of the things that we did last time was we did a, a kind of a homework assignment. So, uh,
0: you you took people through kind of an exercise.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Have you got one for us today? I
1: think so. Yeah. Well, i just thinking about it. I thought the way when we did last time was very good. Um, where, if you remember. What we talked about was, it was interesting, we weren't talking about triggering yet, but it was thinking about a situation that triggered you in some way and uh, made, just. we talked about feeling, remember a situation, reflect on a situation that made you angry, a situation that made you sad, fearful. Remember, just f- f- let the, focus on that somehow and then begin to recognize the, the physical sensations that went along with that triggering and that emotion and we didn't say modify it at first we said let it happen so you recognize it and if it was anger your heart's going to start to race you're going to start getting tense you're going to start getting uh, uh your mind is going to get tight and uh your thinking is going to be anticipatory, something you've got to get aggressive about, or uh, something's is unfair in life and you're furious about it, or whatever, uh, life's unfair, whatever it may be. And we wanted you to feel that for a minute. Then we wanted you to slow yourself down. And we talked about doing kind of a meditative approach um, and breathing, slowing your breathing down and uh, closing your eyes and just begin to, wherever you feel tense in your body, begin to focus on breathing into that area and releasing the tension and slowing your body down. And just recognizing the difference. And beginning to recognize what happens to your body when you're triggered. Yeah, you know, I don't remember if that was exactly how we put it, but that generally that was the... That was the gist of it, and it was a darn good exercise. It is a good one to -hmm. to at least begin to get in touch with what we're talking about. This week I have something a little different, but not all that different. I'd like you to go through the week, and when you are triggered, I'd like you to write down at the time what the triggering was, what what it brought out in you, how you felt physically. And I'd like you to just write the notes out and just... Carry a pad with you, something that you could write on. And just through the week, pay attention to where you might be triggered and how it feels physically, how you feel emotionally. What did it bring out in you if you have a conscious memory of uh, something in your past that has always been painful and never resolved? Just write them down. And then next week, well, we can't go over it unless you call us. But I'd love to hear about them. I'd love to hear about some of the things that you are dealing with and remembering. And I'll show you ways that you can begin to modify that. Um, May I add one thing, mm-hmm. just a
0: reminder to people that of, of triggerings that, that we're going to, the exercise is, tr- a, a trigger would be when you overreact You realize you're overreacting to something that's happening right now. Uh, We use the the phrase, your buttons are getting pushed. Mm -hmm. So you're going to go through your week becoming as aware as you can of the times when, if you got angry, it was probably more than was really called for, or you got uh, Mm -hmm. upset in some way that that just seemed bigger than the situation.
1: Exactly. And, uh, by the way, if that happens, take it from one who knows you can apologize before you get carried away. Um, I'm a man that lately is... At, I've had a few times where I've had to apologize. That did happen. That went. That does go along with grieving, by the way. And try not to be too hard on yourself, but don't be too hard on anybody else either. Um, and I know, knowing myself, I'll be honest, i use myself as an example. When that has happened, and I can say there's. it's happened three times in the last... Oh, it's been a long time. But when they come... I'm one of those people, that I'm a scary dude and I know it and all my old survival instincts and violent sides come out and I'm scary and I scare people. I've not been the one that's provoked, not a one of the situations, but once people provoke me, they regret it and frankly, so do I. Because I realized that was inappropriate and you're way too strong and overpowering and you can hurt somebody. And I've seen that in myself, and I regret it. And I, I'll i be honest with you, most of the time I've apologized and mean it. I've built some very meaningful relationships, by the way, from that, too. That
0: has led to some very uh,
1: just yeah. very important
0: relationships. Yes, yeah, truthfully.
1: Yeah. Not, not not planned that way, but that turned out that way. Mm-hmm. That there's other human beings going through rough times. Too. It gives them permission. Exactly, and that's happened. To be
0: human with you.
1: Yeah, and I've met some really nice people. They'll around. say,
0: I was off, too.
1: Yep. They'll say, I'm sorry, you're yeah. right. Uh, yep. I should never have done that and said that to you. And I'll, But really, then they start telling me what they're dealing with and yeah. the grief yeah. and the loss. And I go, Phew, don't worry about it. I'm sorry. I should have reacted that way. But guess what? A bond, an understanding, connection, they become friends. Mm-hmm. So we have had that. But anyway, some good can come out of it, too. I hope that this has been helpful today. I really do. Uh, I feel it's really relevant to our living, our dealing with difficult situations. Um, We've seen too many people in all walks of life that are, are coming into our lives sharing these kind of things with us. It touches my heart deeply because of what we're going through and what I'm going through. But nonetheless, I see lots of people, and it doesn't mean they're clinically ill. Not at all. It means they're human. And I want to stress that today. So don't be hard on yourself. Uh, I hope this has helped you. It's helping me. I love being back in the studio today, and Jenny is. Me too. This is the best time she's had in two weeks.
0: And, <laughs> what can I say?
1: Yeah, and I hope it lasts for a while. So anyway, um, we want to. I know we're coming to an end of the, this. Episode.
0: We are at the end.
1: And if there's anything that we have said today that can that's helping you, or that's giving you a new outlook and perspective on what you're going through, and gives you some hope. Boy, we'd love to hear about it. We would love it. That is
0: why we love being here. That is why it feels good to be here doing what we're doing. So please get get in touch.
1: Please.
0: You've been listening to The Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson. If you'd like to know more about our show or about Dr. Bernstein, please visit our website at thesurvivorsguidetolife.com. Like us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for listening.